Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Can I make my side softer? Can I make my side firmer? Whenever I want? Can, Can we, we sleep, sleep cooler? Sleep Number does that. Cools up to eight times faster and lets you choose your ideal comfort on either side. 94% of Sleep Number smart sleepers report better sleep. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. It's Monday afternoon and we're watching two storms approaching the United States. Tropical Storm Marco is currently impacting the United States and Tropical Storm Laura, which will soon be Hurricane Laura, will be approaching soon. I'm joined by meteorologist Sarah Dillingham, also a producer for the Weather Geeks uh, podcast. And we're going to talk about what's going on with both storms, what's unique about those storms and what you need to know. And be sure to watch the Weather Channel for continuous coverage of both storms. Sarah, thank you for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Marshall. You know, we did a couple of these last year. And, you know, I think with two tropical systems in close proximity, you know, in time and space, I we felt it was necessary to do another one. Yeah, and, and let's just jump right into it because this is a unique situation to just be talking about two storms of this magnitude uh, in such close proximity in time. Now, let's start with uh, tropical Storm Marco. And this was interesting because at one point, Tropical Storm Marco was a hurricane. Uh, it rapidly intensified down near the Yucatan Peninsula, moved into the Gulf, and I think it sort of suffered something that we often see, which is it, it was battling some wind shear. So um, what, what are your thoughts on where we are with Marco right now? Because I know it is hammering much of the, the panhandle, particularly Florida, with some rainfall. Right. Yeah, that's very true. You know, last week we had both Marco and Laura, um, you know, kind of having their sights set on the Gulf of Mexico and, you know, looking at the forecast models and just the conditions across the Gulf of Mexico as far as sea surface temperatures, we know that Marco was going to have a lot of potential energy right to intensify. So uh, looking at the timing of that trough that was um, centered over the southern uh, southern central U.S., I think it was very crucial to look at that timing and be like, well, the wind shear better do its job. Otherwise, the Gulf Coast may be in trouble. Thankfully, it seems that the wind shear really has kind of done a number on Marco in the last 24 hours or so. It kind of, um, I was working a show Saturday night and it started to look a little better, had a little burst of convection around the center. And then on Sunday, it became a hurricane. So then we're kind of getting a little nervous, but thankfully that shear seems to have taken hold. But um, some areas of the Gulf Coast are still seeing a good bit of rain, especially the Florida Panhandle. Yeah, and it's a really axisymmetric in terms of the rainfall distribution because much of that shear is to the southwest of the center of the storm. And so much of the rain is actually to the northeast. So Panhandle mm -hmm. of Florida, perhaps in Alabama and Mississippi are certainly receiving rainfall. So we want to make sure that people don't let their guard down because oftentimes these uh, the rainfall in a storm like Marco, particularly it looks like it's forecast to kind of creep along the coast there and move a little westward. And so slow moving. So I always worry about 
rainfall. Uh, I also, just before we came on, and we're, we're, we're recording this right around Monday afternoon, around noontime. And so we're up bringing you up-to-the-date information here on Weather Geeks. But I noticed also that these seas were about 21 feet at the storm. So, I mean, it's doing what tropical, tropical storms do, so we can't let our guard down on it. But I think all eyes as we move from Marco, and we certainly don't want to dismiss Marco, will be on Laura. And I hope we're pronouncing right. it correct, because I thought that there was actually a different pronunciation. But we'll go with Laura for the, the sake of this podcast. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Laura. <laughs> yeah, it's actually a slightly different as I when I saw the, the the sort of phonetics of it, but we're going to talk about that. But Sarah, one of the interesting things, and let's let's do some myth busting here. Not necessarily some myth busting. Let's just geek out a little bit on the Fujiwara effect because that was getting a lot of attention early on in the week and last week because it looked like we might have two storms in the Gulf of Mexico at the same time. And you, I was getting questions. I'm sure you were. Are these things going to merge into a mega storm, or what's going right. to happen? And so um, tell us a little about what you were hearing about what the Fujiwara effect is and, and why it's probably not going to happen and frankly what it is. Yeah, the Fujiwara effect is something that, you know, was noted years ago um, is when two tropical cyclones get into close proximity of each other. Um, the flow around each one can affect the other. So they end up kind of rotating about a central point, a centroid in between the two storms. And you know, that can be anywhere from, you know, five to 600 miles, or maybe as much as 900 to 1,000 miles. I don't believe there's a set distance, uh, but we've seen this happen. We often see it happen in the Western Pacific. It's a very large basin with these huge uh, typhoons that usually develop. So it's not something that's uh, unknown that we've not really seen before, but to say that that was going to happen in the Gulf of Mexico, uh, so close to the U.S. mainland, you know, I don't think a lot of people, we as meteorologists were familiar with it, but I don't think a lot of people at home had really heard the term before. Um, some someone kind of made the comment that that maybe this year's polar vortex, like we meteorologists knew it was always around, but it just wasn't something that was a topic of conversation. But because of social media, it's out there, and so we've done our best to um, to address that. And yeah, you're right; it doesn't appear that that is going to happen. But that was certainly a kind of an, I guess I won't say an unknown, but something that we had a relatively low confidence, and we weren't 100 percent sure how that was going to impact those storms. Yeah, and it's an interesting point, too, because as I, as I mentioned, yeah, as you mentioned, we've had the polar vortex and we've had derechos and bombogenesis, things that have been in the meteorological jargon for some time, but become new and familiar to people in the public in recent times. But one thing that we should note is that though we probably aren't going to see a Fujiwara effect, uh, Marco probably can and could impact Laura's environment in some way. I saw Weather Channel's own Dr. Greg Postel uh, tweet something the other day about uh, Marco may actually be priming the upper level environment in some way in terms of how it was affecting some of the up, upper level dynamics and ridge and trough patterns. And then there's also the chance that it could upwell a little cold water which would ultimately sort of uh, you know, modify some of that very warm water that's in the Gulf right. of Mexico, although I don't think that's going to be an issue. What are your thoughts on either of those? Yeah, you know, the, the upwelling was something that I certainly, uh, you know, had been asked about by my show producers, you know, is this really going to have an impact? And I said, well, it depends on the intensity and size of Marco because the, and, this, and the speed as well, how quickly it's moving. Um, I think since Marco has kind of been really uh, degraded in structure, um, I don't anticipate much of a diff, much of a change to be seen um, in its wake as far as sea surface temperatures are concerned. And I feel like in the Gulf of Mexico, all we've been talking about how, is how the Gulf is primed and ready with above average sea surface temperatures. I mean, you have waters, uh, water temperatures in that area that are mid to upper 80s. So it's a bathtub for um, any tropical system that moves over. And unfortunately for Marco, that it wasn't, and not 
obviously people on the land, you know, they're thankful that Marco is going to be kind of hopefully a lower impact because then you've still got Laura to contend with. But unfortunately, since Marco wasn't a slightly bigger storm, we're not sure if the upwelling is really going to affect Laura negatively. So Laura might have kind of a, like Dr. Postel was mentioning, kind of an open pathway um, for that intensification. And, you know, I'm sure you've seen the latest National Hurricane Center guidance. I mean, what are your thoughts on, you know, the likelihood of rapid intensification? Because that's definitely something that the Gulf is more than familiar with, especially now that we're what within a couple of days of the 15 year anniversary of Katrina. Absolutely. And we talk about RI or rapid intensification and we saw it with Hurricane Michael just a few years ago in the Gulf of Mexico. And I, I think that there are a couple of things I was reading something in weather.com today. I think there are a couple of things that are in place that could lead to rapid intensification, and this is a, a dramatic uh, increase in, um, in in pressure drop over a 24-hour period, and I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to remember the exact amount. Sarah, Sarah help me out I with I believe that. it's 35 mile per hour increase in a 24-hour period. In a 24-hour, that's what I was thinking too, but I didn't want to, uh, to get it out there and, and be a, a slightly off. The point is rapid development of the storm on a one-day period, a 24-hour period. So we've got the warm sea surface temperatures, which is certainly something that would lead to uh, the possibility of RI or rapid intensification. And we have a situation where I've looked at the models, looks like there will be a relaxation of the shear uh, in the Gulf of Mexico as Laura moves uh, more into the Gulf. And so I, I think a couple of things, and by the way, we're talking with uh, meteorologist Sarah Dillingham from the Weather Channel, also the producer of Weather Geeks, and does a lot of great things at the Weather Channel. She's just a meteorologist. She got her uh, undergraduate work at the Atmospheric Sciences Program at the University of Georgia. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the Atmospheric Sciences Program there. She also has a master's degree from Texas Tech. So she knows her stuff. So let's geek out some more on Laura. Uh, I want to yeah, and so, and Marshall, let's talk about Laura, right? Because, you know, we've got uh, Marco making its impact now. Laura is down the road and we just talked about the chances for rapid intensification. But looking at the structure, I mean, I honestly thought and hoped that um, as the circulation kind of interacted with land over Hispaniola, which, by the way, has had pretty significant impacts. I mean, let's not forget them. They've seen uh, at least a foot of rainfall, if not more, once the latest totals come out. So, you know, typically when those systems move through, they can really do a number on these systems, right? Uh, can we talk about maybe how the terrain impacts those circulations? Yeah, well, we certainly, and it's really interesting because, you know, and that's a great point about Hispaniola down in the Dominican Republic and Haiti and so forth. And even our, our, our fellow citizens down in Puerto Rico, they dealt a little bit with um, Laura as well. Uh, not only just rainfall, but landslides and mudslides can be an issue there too. But the conventional wisdom is that when these storms move over this land and elevated terrain, which we certainly have in, in these sort of islands, uh, Hispaniola, Cuba, that they, they kind of disrupt the circulation and the structure of these storms. And in fact, uh, I have seen some really interesting things. One of the things that I've been monitoring, Sarah, as we've been watching Laura, is how much it's holding itself together, relatively speaking. It dealt with the southeastern part of the terrain in Cuba, held itself together fairly well. But one of the really interesting things that I've been seeing is that uh, Laura has actually sort of been further south than pretty much all of the model initializations, if you've been following me. So that yeah. actually doesn't bode well, because the further south it stays, it's not going to traverse Cuba and perhaps tear it apart more. Uh, it stayed more south, stayed over more open water. And that means it, uh, that bodes well, not doesn't bode well for it moving into the Gulf and perhaps even shifting a bit further westward in the Gulf of Mexico. Have you been seeing that as well? Yeah, that's right. You know, we have been, gosh, we have been watching Laura for days and days. And ever since it was 
um, starting to impact Puerto Rico, you know, we've been watching the center ultimately kind of jump all over the place, right? We'll have one model initialized with this center and the hurricane hunters come in and find a new center that's much further south and east. So then you kind of have to throw that guidance kind of out the window, right? Because as as you guys did a good job of ingraining in me at UGA, you know, garbage <laughs> in, garbage out when it comes to models, right? I know Dr. John Knox would be Knox. happy about that. <laughs> that's right. I kept that through the years. Um, so yeah, I think that's been a real challenge because obviously any, anytime you initialize an incorrect center, that impacts a lot, right? Because if it's over land, then you've got a weaker tropical system that's going to impact the track. And if it's not, got a stronger system as it sits over that very warm water. So unfortunately, that's what we've been seeing. So, you know, we've seen a good bit of deal change in the track and intensity as a result. So I think that we just can't message enough to people along the Gulf Coast that there still are a good bit of unknowns in this. You know, Hurricane Center is very good at track forecasting and has made improvements in intensity forecasting. But, you know, when you've got a center that's kind of dancing around, that makes it very difficult for us. Yeah. And let's kind of just as we start to wrap this up, let's talk about just the key things that we see going forward. Or again, Monday around noontime, I'm talking with Sarah Dillingham from the Weather Channel, producer for the Weather Geeks podcast and uh, meteorologist extraordinaire there at the Weather Channel and a former alum of our program. So I got to get that in there. But let's just kind of summarize what we see. So we've got a, a storm that we think is going to intensify to a hurricane as it moves into the Gulf of Mexico. It's got a lot of warm water ahead of it. Even the loop current, which is a very warm ribbon of water there that we saw with Katrina caused problems. And though the National Hurricane Center official forecast right now, I think, takes it up to a Cat 2, Category 2, perhaps by landfall somewhere between uh, Houston and, and somewhere in Louisiana, there's a potential upside for a major storm with this. Would, would you agree? Yes, I, I do agree with that, you know, especially if we have a slightly more westward track and that center does continue to stay south of uh, Cuba. Um, more time over those warm Gulf waters as it traverses north and west towards the U.S. mainland. So, uh, you know, yesterday uh, during my show on Saturday, we were talking about New Orleans maybe having a direct impact from both storms. And now that's changed a little bit, right? We've seen Marco degraded. So New Orleans might not have as significant of an impact, but still something needing to be watched for sure. And kind of prep people for Laura to come because that storm could still impact them. But areas as far west as Houston and Galveston can't write this off either as having a direct landfall because we've already seen that westward shift today. So everybody just needs to be staying tuned to the Weather Channel because our continuing coverage will go day and night until these are over. Um, so that's just the best thing to do and just stay alert for all the um, latest developments in your local area. Yeah, no, stay with the Weather Channel. I know I'm, I'm watching it. That's where that's my go to in times like this. And keep in mind, we are in the middle of the COVID pandemic. So there's some special things to think about if you do have to evacuate or, you know, leave your home, you know, make sure you're carrying those uh, masks and you know, perhaps some disinfectants, think about places, those shelters. So um, 2020 is doing what 2020 is going to do. And so it's important yeah. that we think about that because, you know, it's it's odd that I was looking at earlier in, uh, in the last week, two crisscrossing hurricane tracks and cones in the same Gulf of Mexico within 24 to 48 hours of each other, but that's just what 2020 is. So We've been talking with Sarah Dillinger. Sarah, where, where can people find you on social media if they want to keep track of you and your expertise? Uh, well, it's very easy. On Twitter, I'm at Sarah Dillingham, so it shouldn't be too hard to find. So. And that's Sarah <laughs> uh, with an H, by the way. There. Sarah with an H? 
Yes, Sarah with an H, uh, Dillingham. So um, yeah, I post updates there. I, and obviously we're also posting uh, updates on the uh, Weather Geeks uh, Twitter handle as well. You can find us both on Facebook, uh, meteorologist Sarah Dillingham and also Weather Geeks. So I hope people will just stay tuned and you know look for more of these podcasts. We'll see if we do some more of these this week because we've unfortunately got a long week ahead. I worked um, five, see, five days last week and six days this week. So not sure when the next day off is going to be, but that's what we do at Weather Channel. Tropics is our, our big thing. So, you know, we, we know a lot of people are watching. So we're hopefully going to keep everybody safe in this. Yeah, and that's uh, where we'll have to end it for today. But yeah, we're going to try to keep you up to date on Weather Geek. And of course, the Weather Channel and all of its platforms are doing that. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast special edition as we track tro- Tropical Storm Marco, Tropical Storm Laura, but soon to be Hurricane. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, and we'll talk to you next time. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.